the 2021 Nobel Noble CrossFit semifinals. Noble uh, gets that. They've replaced Reebok. Um, they're another shoe company. That's right. Those are the guys I think I heard they liked the name Noble, but they didn't they didn't have a product, but they just wanted to make something. <laughs> Did you hear that story? No. I heard their I heard their their founder story is is that they didn't know what they wanted to make, but they thought Noble was a great name. And then afterwards they came up with the shoe idea. I think they're ex uh ex Reebok guys. Someone can fact check that if they'd like. Um but I'm not on the website. Area, not my area of expertise, but it's interesting. I hope you know a lot. And if you do know a lot about the semifinals, um, I'm very curious where you where you got it from because I'm on the website and it's a very, very narrow portal for information from what I can see about the CrossFit semifinals. When you click on information and you click on any of the cities, um, you get no information. It's, you just see Adrian Bosman with no shirt on saying no rep. It's like their cute way of doing a 404 page, which I approve of. And then, so then I click on the tickets, which is the only other link that they have. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a write up of the uh, week one, week two, week three, week four. Mm -hmm. So what, what are the semifinals, Brian? Is this the last, does the winner uh, of this go to the CrossFit games? It's the last stop. Both individuals and team athletes, the um, there's no masters or teenage divisions at these that will qualify to the games. They, the competitions can have some, but no game spots. And the number of games qualifiers varies based on continent. So, so let, let me hold you up there a second. So, when you say you're saying masters and teens could compete in the semifinals, but it won't take them to the games as masters or teens. It's not it's not semifinals for them. Um, all of these competitions are people who've been running events for years. A lot of them have been doing it for eight to ten years, and they usually have community um, event, you know, for teams, local teams, or you froze. You froze. I cannot hear you. I can see you. As a screenshot. There you go. You're back. What's the last thing you heard? Uh, something about these events were um, have been run for eight to ten years. Um, and, and I think I was con confusing. You were saying teens, and I thought you were saying teams. Yeah, it's, it, that's always confusing. Um, yeah, so the teams, like like uh, Rich Froning's team, they'll, they're competing this upcoming weekend. They have a chance to games. Teenagers and masters at some of these events, there will be age group divisions, like, for example, at the Torian Pro, but those are just like uh, co local competitions. It's not with anything re regarding the CrossFit Games season. Okay. So the winners of these events, and in and, and, and some places down, one through five or whatever you're going to tell us, is for it, it, it's, uh, it's shit or get off the pot for the individuals and the teams. This is, a, this is an important week. Has anyone qualified for the Games yet? Nope, no individuals or teams. Damn, you froze again. I, I, I wonder what's going on. Are you in a bad spot? <laughs> Same spot as always. Yeah, that's it's really weird. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that um it it did catch the audio on that. Okay, so no one's qualified for the games. Uh, how about how about teens and masters? Have they qualified for the games already? Yes, uh, the age group island qualifier is finished, and is my understanding that the finalization of the roster spots will happen. Okay, and and so when you say age group qualifiers, that includes teens and masters. Correct. Alrighty. So so tell me about this. How come I can't get any information <laughs> on the website when I click on those events? Is, is there? Have, do you have any information on these events? I do have some information on these events, but this is a, a opinion is that you know CrossFit's they may not be behind in terms of planning and organizing, but if trying to find out what's happening because they've been late to the game in terms of communicating certain things relative to what I would expect of organization. Okay, and late based on what criteria? What what would make it late? You know, not giving athletes uh, a realistic time frame to make, not just from a training perspective, but also a travel and logistics perspective to get to some of these events. Same, th- And it's even more teams. There's one gym, Coda CrossFit, I think is sending four or five different teams to three or four different sanctioned events. In- and that's, there's one guy, like the owner of their gym, who's responsible for all these teams. And he had a, two weeks. He, he found out where his teams were going to be, and then he had to have them there somehow ready to compete. Are these people frustrated? I think there is a, a decent amount of frustration for some people with regards to that. And it's um, it's at every level. It's the athletes and it's the organizers. Um, you know, I, I really think potential like this, but it needs to be a little bit smoother in the in the way that it's carried out. Is this because of the shit show that our planet's in right now? The, the, the COVID response? Is that, is that, can the games blame it on that? Definitely can. Um, it's, it, it, that may not be the only factor, but it is 100% a factor. It's very difficult permitting and what's not. You know, the Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge is the, is the first North American semifinals going on this. And they announced a policy for COVID that was going to be implemented based on there's several layers of decision. Are you in and what are their regulations? What county are you in? What are their regulations? What's the arena's regulations? And then your event directors can have a say on top, potentially. So they announced one thing, and then a few days later, the rules changed wherever they, you know, they're hosting their event, their COVID protocols. And that's probably going to continue to happen for the other North American events. They actually haven't announced protocols for those because things are changing so quickly right now are the athletes going to be wearing masks when they when they compete no and i i think that the mask situation my my understanding is it probably is for a majority of the people there i can't wait till i see some athletes wearing masks if any of the athletes are wearing masks uh to compete some of them might wear masks out onto the competition floor potentially but i think any more surprised than the shit show we're in <laughs> world worldwide you should not be surprised by anything mr friend friend uh originally you had told me that um i thought that you had said that there were going to be two virtual 
events and they were going to both be on the same weekend. Now I'm seeing as I scroll through the calendar here, there are five virtual events on two different weekends. Damn, you froze again. I'm going to play Riverside FM for this recording. Riverside <laughs> FM. Uh, five of the 10 semifinals are virtual. And it's there's a lot of people are talking about with regards to that. You know, it's not optimal, but again, not much CrossFit could do here. Um, they could have potentially chosen to have locations that some of the athletes might have not been able to travel based on whatever their country's restrictions are. So that's that's hopefully happen because I think that it's important to have at least one live competition in the season before the games. It's very different than competing out. But there's another big question that's going on, and I think that um, this year is actually going to be a good Should the semifinals have uniform programming or not? And lots of people have been talking about this, and the, the general can to be that the semifinals should have uniform programming. And the reason being, and you're probably really familiar with this, is that the season is not just the game. It's not mm, Another freezing. It's not just the Open. Yeah, go on. Sorry. So if there's one, one entity that's programmed the Open and then the quarterfinals and then the semifinals and then the games, you can look at the programming from the previous events or... or and you can say, oh, we've already tested wall walks in the open. So why are we going to program wall walks here in the semifinals now? Because people have already proven their capacity with that. Let's up the skill. And we have clear examples of this from years past where Dave has done a handstand walk in the open. In the regionals, there were some steps and, and ramps to go over. And in the games, they had the combination of all these things plus evolution of the programming for the season as the field narrows down. This year, I think the virtual events will all half the field will take the same test to get to the games. But the other five competitions are all going to be competition or, or event directors or their, you know, their group of people. All of those guys are very qualified to program high level tests for competitive or elite athletes in our sport. They've been doing it for years and have good programming. I've seen some of the programming, some of it's better, but we're not talking about just making good tests. We're talking about what's the point of this stage and does the programming fit in with the rest of the, the stages before and after it? I, I, I fully get your point. Have they given any explanation why they're allowing the um, individual events to do their own programming? I don't think so. I think you know my, my assumption is in the sanctional season, it was one of the appeals of having you could have certain events that feature but I think that that the the main focus has to be on are we getting the athletes that that we want to to the next stage of the competition and have they have they proven a similar capacity along the way i mean it's very already there's two events coming up this weekend one of them has six workouts the other has seven workouts you know that's a very obvious again with but we could go into much more detail about the problems here let me let me ask you this so w w if they were all the same 
and that would mean that weeks two, three, and four, and two weeks, weeks two, three, and four would have an advantage in their numbers. What would that mean advantage? Obviously, um, they wouldn't knock the people out from week one to go in because you're only competing against the people in your semifinal region. But would it affect the placement in the ranking when they showed up at the games? Um, not necessarily. The uh, you know the one is often done to address that problem is have like a mass start event as the first event of the weekend. So you know run swim at the same time after one workout. Now you have a ranking, and for the next event that needs to be seated or whatever, you can seat them that way. I think it's the best interest of the sport to have multiple weeks of competition at this stage, you know, from covering the regionals, it's very exciting. Close races. There's definitely a lot of good athletes and capable athletes that just miss making the games. And if you have them all on one weekend, stories get lost. And that's just more athletes who are working hard all year that don't get the recognition they deserve, which I think is the opposite of what the sport needs. So I think it's okay, but there's definitely some drawbacks. I mean, having the workouts early, can be advantageous, but everyone in your in your uh, you know region or continent or semifinal has that same advantage. I think that the bigger advantage is the people who go. If I get more time to prep for the games, uh, the first semifinal, as you mentioned, is this weekend, May twenty eighth to the thirtieth, and the last one is June eighteenth to the twentieth. When are the CrossFit Games? Uh, the week of July 27th or something, whatever the Monday is there. So five weeks after the fourth week is complete. Yes, but two weeks after the fourth week is complete is a last chance qualifier where the final and women will have an opportunity to qualify for the games. So you're telling me, do do five, let's talk about that last chance qualifier for a second. How do they get the people for that? Where do those people come from? So for example, this weekend, there's the Torium. Cross challenge and the Torium Pro. <laughs> okay, you got to think a little bit here. The I got a pen, o- I got a pen and paper. <laughs> the Oceanic region or continent qualifies three men and three women straight to the games. The next three places, so four, five, and six, go to the last chance qualifier. However, on the women's side, they get a fourth spot at the last chance qualifier because there's a woman competing in Oceania who should be competing in Africa, but she can't because of travel restrictions. So awesome. Any- <laughs> okay. And when you say Oceanic, which one are you talking about? The Mid-Atlantic or the Torian Pro? Oh, Torian, Torian Pro. Pro. Oce- okay. Okay. Now the same thing oh. is true in the Torian Pro. I mean, at the Mid-Atlantic because Tia Claire Toomey and actually one other female in the field. Um, I'm on the men's side here. Sorry. They're all competing at the Mid-Atlantic. Um, the other woman is Carl, Carla Henriette, but they should be competing at other competitions that they qualified for, but they can't travel there. So, you know, it's pretty obvious that Tia is going to take a game spot, and then the other women who would have taken the game spot, or two through five will still go. The person who is sixth in that region is the really the one who's going to get kind of screwed by the fact that Tia is there because fire instead of getting should have got. But in uh, o- but in Oceania, the is probably not going to affect any of the top ten spots. So they have the same rule; they'll get an extra person. But it's actually irrelevant because it's not. Gonna- 
Brian. Yep. Sorry for the choppy connection. I don't know what's going on. When you say, um, uh, when you say they can't travel to their region, why is that? That's a lot of people with that excuse. Do you know what the parameters were of being able to fall to get that exemption? Uh, had to. I think they had to communicate to CrossFit. Hey, this is where I live. This is where I'm required to compete. Based. These are the travel restrictions that are in place for that region that make it, you know, either where I'm coming from or where I'm going to that make it very difficult logistically or it may be impossible or I have to quarantine for two weeks when I get there and that's going to be, you know, two weeks of air. That's a, that's a ton of money. You know, it's a limited amount of time to make these arrangements like we talked about earlier to CrossFit. And then CrossFit said, oh, yeah, you're right, based on the global situation problem. So we're going to place you so somewhere not, else. So there's not any official guidelines of what could get you that exemption on the website. I can't read about it and it say, hey, if your country has a two of more than a 14-day lockdown. I mean, like Australia is basically one giant jail cell right now. I think those people have to – I was reading about tennis pros. I mean, it sounds like a complete nightmare, the quarantine status of coming in and out of some of these countries. Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's um, one of the – countries in terms of government control to begin with prior to all of this so that's not very surprising right okay so so i know we want to talk about this 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 first week but i want to continue a little bit about the last chance qualifier so if there's let's just say for ease of math there's three people from each region um who will be at the last chance qualifier at each semifinal. so that's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten so It'll be somewhere between 30 and 40 women and 30 and 40 men will compete in the last chance qualifier. And what week does that happen? July 4th weekend. July 4th. And is that virtual? It is. And does, will CrossFit be streaming that somewhere? Is there anywhere? How, 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 do, you, how do you show a virtual event? Will we be seeing that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good question for um, semifinals, too, that are virtual. Understanding is the three North American semifinals will have games quality or regional quality coverage the granite games and west coast classic also will be true for the torium pro in australia same people that you're used to seeing out there it is in cape town is the other live event and i don't think that they're going to have a live broad stream broadcast of that and no communication from crossfit about what the coverage for the virtual events will look like but my assumption be something similar to what we had for stage one of the games, and that that will also be true for the last chance qualifier. And what that basically means is it's, the competition will be structured as if it was taking place over three days, so they'll have a fixed amount of time to do certain workouts. CrossFit is gathering their videos and the data as that's coming in. When the time is up the la you know, for doing those work, the leaderboard, and they'll kind of um, congregate a few of those of the best performances and show like a you know, of the workout with a couple guys, uh, you know, talking through it as it's happening. Man, CrossFit's going to be really overwhelmed. HQ is going to be overwhelmed week three and four. I mean, week three with three virtual events, that's a lot of videos coming in. For anyone who's listening to this, we keep getting a, a drop. So if you're hearing some interruptions, it's not us, or some weird silences, it's not us. I mean, it is us, but it's not us. We're not we're not weirdos, and just not we don't just stop talking. It's because our feed keeps dropping, and we can't see each other, or hear each other for a minute. 
So if you had to wa- if you had to watch one of just only one of these this weekend, May twenty eighth, North America versus uh, the the Mid Atlantic CrossFit semifinal or the Torian Pro, which one would you watch? Um, it's got to be the Mid Atlantic, and it's uh, look the the Pacific Regional is always entertaining. Jamie's not there. Jamie Simmons is not there. So the women's field is missing two of the big three. It's still going to be very super competitive. There's probably eight guys that can that can realistically take those top three spots, and there may be one or two I don't even you know know about. Or there's always an up and coming guy. But the Mid Atlantic is stacked. Look at the men in the in the field there. You have the second quant. You got Justin Medeiros, phenom rookie from last year. You got Scott Panchik and Ben Smith, two of the like most legend. Or Travis Mayer, who just won the quarterfinals. I mean, those those five guys alone are going to draw a bigger crowd than pretty much any, you know any any semifinal competition. And in the meantime, on the women's side, Tia has been added to the field. That already most popular American athletes in the world: Haley Adams, Amanda Barnhart, and Brooke Wells. Wow! Wow! Lost that lineup, and this is something that I've been kind of studying. That you know, CrossFit. How did they see these athletes? said that they went through this process and it was going to be fair and equitable, but I'm looking at that. If you Take Tia out of the mix. If you have Haley, Adams, Amanda, and then if you go to the next week in the Granite Games, you're the top three athletes there in terms of notoriety are Christy Oramo, Stephanie Chung. It just doesn't stack up. That's not going to sell as many tickets as Haley, Adams, Amanda Barnes. But if so you do the, they should have moved one. You're saying they should have moved one of those, moved one of those girls in in the in the Mid Atlantic region to the to the Granite Games. Maybe the it's complicated because they said first of all, if you place top ten, in the, you want to go. So if you you know, and um and then if you live in the state that it's going there, so Amanda Barnett and Brooke Wells, they might they they I think they chose that place that they wanted to go there. Uh, yeah, Amanda was first in the quarterfinals. Brooke Wells was fifth. Fee was sixth. So those three women so they got placed there. Haley Adams lives in Tennessee. The competition's in Tennessee, so she had she got placed there. Have a chance to go to Granite Games because they either chose or lived in their state, which were the first two criteria CrossFit used. After that, they had to seed the rest of the athletes. And when you do the math and add up their seedings based on their quarterfinal, it's pretty easy. I would argue that the quarterfinal seeding is very arbitrary relative to a lot of other metrics that you could have used. There's some place in the mid-40s in the quarterfinals that I've never heard of before, and you know how many of these athletes I'm familiar with. Place in the, you know, know, two, three spaces away from them that are three-time games athletes. So are you going to put the three-times games athletes with the... Never been to the games, never been to a sanctional, never been to a semifinal, no one's ever seen her in a live competition and say, yep, because they placed one spot away in the quarterfinals, five tests over one one weekend. Are they using that word equitable, or is that your word? Oh, damn, you drops. I want to hear the answer to this question. Is that your word, fair and equitable, or is that is that your word, fair and equitable, or is that CrossFit? Wow. I don't know what to do with that. With that question? <laughs> Hello? I threw you a curveball. Cops are banging at your door. Hello? Brian? Are you there? 
Can you hear me? I can see you. You're good. You look good. Hello, Brian. Brian. I've no idea. Can you hear me? Can you see me? I'm going to call you on my phone. I can hear you. I can see you. I, I'll text him right now. I can hear you and see you. You you can still hear me? What? I can't see you. And it says, uh, you're doing a network error. Damn. I wonder what's going. Yeah, I can see you and hear you. Um, let's hang up or see you and all and and log back on log back on sorry guys uh brian's checking out for a second and he will be back this uh in all fairness riverside's been pretty good this is the first big hiccup i've seen um since we started using this, he's asking me same link or new link. I'll click same. Let's see if he comes back. Copy link. And he's not back yet. And he is back. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I switched to a hotspot, so let's see what if it was me. Um, you mean like using your phone? Mm-hmm. Um, so so um is are those your words fair and equitable or are those CrossFit's words? Uh those are their words. That's how they have it written in the rule book. That's that should just tell you right there that it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I, 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 if, if it would have been better if they it would have been better if I they think would have, the, uh, put athletes in the in the regions based on Instagram followers than using the word equitable. That's that's doesn't even. I don't even think they know what that word means. <laughs> but I, I mean, yeah. I think you know it's. I, I just hope that next year they they learn from this year and that they say early in the season this is how the athletes will be seated, so that that's known and accounted for before, before the open, open happens. Before the there's no room for questions. There's no uncertainty, and uh, you know we just chalk this one up as a loss and get it better next time. Yeah, um, equitable by definition is fair and impartial. So if it's fair and equitable, it's fair and fair. Um, <laughs> or they should have said fair and impartial. But but we need a metric. We need to we need to know. I mean, if it's a sport, we need to know. Are you putting these people in there by their height, by their performance, by their like? We need something a little bit better than that. And I, and I think that's what the fans want. I think that. And, and that's what draws um what's well, one of the biggest complaints that people have always had is I can't tune into this sport if I know what's happening and that's a problem like if you turn on a golf tournament within five minutes of watching the tournament you'll know exactly what the, what the leaderboard is the lead who's contending and whatever same thing with the basketball game hockey game NASCAR race you name it in CrossFit if you turn it on it's always been a question if I, if I haven't seen the first event I'm watching of the weekend Am I able to to turn it on and within a couple of minutes understand what's happening here? And it's a shame too because it is so, it's eminently watchable. I mean, it is it is uh, once once you're bought in, you're hooked. Once you yeah, 
once your body. Yeah, but imagine imagine that, you're the, that person who turns. You see these amazing athletes and incredible bodies doing this stuff that you can't, you know, you don't understand how they're doing it. So you start asking questions. Oh, wow. How'd they get here? <laughs> what did they have to do to get here? Oh, they all had to do different things to get here. Well, were they seated based on that? Uh, it's really unknown. The organizing body never told us. No, you just. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't hear you mention Noah Olson's name. In, oh, did I hear you mention Noah's name? Is Noah, is, I'm assuming Noah's in the Mid-Atlantic. You said, Okay, so maybe you did. You said Noah, Justin Maderos, Ben Smith, Samuel Quant. No, no, no. Noah's not in this one. He will be competing at the West Coast Classic in, at the, in the last weekend, June 18th. Oh, that doesn't make sense to me. Is, doesn't he live out there? So he was, uh, you know, he got to choose where he wanted to go. Chose to go to West Coast. So one of the things is some of these guys train together. So Travis Mayer and Noah Olson may have talked to each other and said, hey, we don't want to go to the same semifinal. You declare this one. I'm going to go for this one. But the one I'm putting first last so that we have the best chance of not being in the same region. That Like that's what I thought would have happened. But then you go look at the, the West Coast Classic for the women, and you have Carrie Pierce, Daniel Brandon, and Bethany Shadburn, who are all competing there, all of whom trained together in Vegas. Well, I guess that's why they're there, because the competition's in Vegas, so they had no choice. Well, they had, could have had a Brandon, choice. Is Daniel Brandon a legitimate contender? I mean, I, I, I know her star is rising, and I know she's um, quite popular. Her social media is quite popular, um, and she's strutting her shit. Um, is, she, uh, is, she, is she really... Is she that good? I mean, I guess yeah, she, she actually put, she, she actually beat yeah she beat both of those girls in the um in the quarterfinal. She placed eighth, and she so she's the only one of them who actually could have had her somewhere else because she was in the top so ten. So wherever just, she said, she's legit. She's not just like all she's show. Good. She's not just all show. She's show and go. She's a Ferrari with a good paint job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, she, she technically she placed. 10th in 2019 she didn't make the top 10 but one of the girls who did popped for drug tests so she got slotted to 10th and the question is can she get back to 10th place in a full games test in the top 10 i think she's got top 10 potential um i would be really surprised if she got into top five she was on the demo team last year does that give anyone of the athletes you think um insight experience is there any advantage to being on the demo team and then and then going to the games oh i think that it's you definitely get some insights <laughs> you definitely learn a lot about the way that dave runs things and does things and i suppose that that could potentially be beneficial but i mean ultimately like you know how it is you you, you have to be able to perform when it comes down and she can't so so do you um do you have picks for these week th- this week week one May twenty eighth through the thirtieth Do you know what the workouts are already? Yeah, yeah. All, all all the workouts for both competitions have been released, and it's my understanding that all, all of the workouts for all of the competitions will be released at least one week before they happen. So you've looked at the the workouts, <clears throat> and have you had time to look at the workouts and then look at the athletes and figure out who you think is going to be the top? I guess it's eight or nine because we're not only curious who's going to go directly to the game, but we're interested in who's going to go to the last chance qualifier. But before you say that, why is there a last chance qualifier? I think the, I think the idea behind the last chance qualifier, you know, dates back to the central East men's field. 
where there's just occasionally yeah. a congregation of athletes that for whatever reason is. We can take the Oceanic women, for example. They only get three spots to the games because of their open participation. But based on their competitive performance in the last three years, they should earn five spots. The women should earn five spots to the games. They've done what, that, what do that you mean well. Based on their what do you mean based on their competitive performance? So I did a statistical breakdown a couple months ago when the when the first iteration of the rule how many athletes from each region were going and I was like that something's not right here because the European women are way better than the European men at the top level of the sport but they're both getting 10 spots and they say they're getting 10 spots because of their participation in the open as a continent and I was saying okay that's fine as a use but ultimately I want to see the best 40 athletes at the games I don't want to see five people in the first heat that are three, four, or five minutes behind on every workout. I want to see the best 40 there. We're trying to find the fittest, test them against the fittest. So I did a metric based on performance, and I found out that in the last three years, there were four, five, and six women who were good enough to be at the games in those seasons, in the top 40. Um, it's a, it was a little bit difficult to do and, and maybe not an exact study because each of the last three game seasons was different there were only 30 at the games last year for example so there's a little bit of gray but um and if tia and jamie were competing there you'd have tia claire toomey cara saunders and jamie simmons and they would take the top three spots and no other women would have a chance but you have maddie sturt who's been to the games four straight years before 2020 and she actually placed like in the middle of the pack She's good enough to be at the games, but she wouldn't have stood a chance against them. Now, she will have a chance this time because Tia and Jamie aren't there. Um, so, uh, so it's I a catch-all. It's, basi it's, it's basically a confirmation that, hey, we, it's difficult to make the, 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 um, the format perfect. And so this is, this is sort of like, it makes sense. I like it. Right. I didn't like it. I don't like the thought of it, but then when I heard you explain it, I do like the thought of it. And it's, you know, like you said, 30 to 35 women will be competing and only two of them will get to go to the game. So you have to be very good to finish in the top two of who've already beaten two thirds of the field or more at the competition preceding that. So, so the winners of the winners of all of these will all go to the games. No ifs, ands, or buts, unless there's travel problems. And then the last chance qualifier, how many people did you say? Two, two. Two women and two men from the last chance qualifier will go. Yes, and so that will really those will be the thirty ninth and fortieth qualifiers. Yeah. Okay, I think still awake, and I think I understand. <laughs> I think I understand the format. I did not understand it last year. I think I do, under, but I didn't have you explaining it to me last year, and so I think I get it. Thank you. Um, will you watch both um, North America and um, and Oceana? Will you watch both Torian Pro and the Mid Atlantic CrossFit this year this week? Yeah, I might not watch every heat of every workout, but I'll watch what, what I need to watch to know what's going on. And are you working any of these events? I'm not working either of I'm I'm not working either of these. I'm covering the Torian Pro for the morning chalk up. I'm what you know, just watching Mid Atlantic as a fan, basically. What exactly are you covering about the Torian Pro? Oh, uh, specific. The recaps, emerging storylines. Um, it's just stuff like that. It's I just that was the one they assigned to me. So you'd rather watch the Mid Atlantic as we discussed earlier, but your your project is the Torian Pro, so you'll be glued to that. 
No, no, I, I would, I personally would rather watch both of them. I'm very interested in the, in the, especially the men's field in um, Australia. Okay, so let's get to it. Who, who's going? Who? Let's start with the Mid Atlantic. Who's going? Which men are going? Who are your picks? And and if it, Travis isn't in there, you better push, put him in there. So in no particular order, like I said, the the five favorites for sure there are Ben Smith, Scott Panchik, Justin Madero, Sam Quant, and Travis Mayer. I mean, okay. I these like guys that. are very well established. Justin's obviously younger than these other guys. Quant's younger than the other three guys, but they've been around good. If, you know, on paper, those five guys should make it. My prediction okay. is that four of the five guys will make it. And I don't know which one will miss it. I, I don't know, but I'm just, I know how these competitions go. There's always an upset. There's always a drama. There's always someone underperforms. It's one week in a competition, and there are some other good guys there, uh, some up-and-coming guys, some guys that have done well in the past at this kind of format. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna, I'm, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. And then, you know, a, a guy who's maybe a little bit less, less well-known uh, to sneak into the fifth spot. You think it's Ben Smith. You think this is it. This is going to be his last year, don't you? Uh, I'm super interested to see how he does. He's, he looks amazing. He, he's, he looks like he's the strongest he's ever been. He's been doing a pretty intensive strength cycle, and it's, it seems to be working. He's done pretty well so far. Um, and I don't think he really cares about the quarterfinals, though. I think he's, you know, he's 22nd there in North America, but I think he's focused on... Uh, on this weekend and making it back to the games. Um, I think he'll make it. So I think you do. And, and will this be Ben's 11th or 12th games? <laughs> uh, well, I think uh, I could pull it up and check. But I think that this is, is what if you make it, it would be. He got that special, he got that special invite in 2019. Yeah. 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 So this will be his 12th. If he... Yeah, that's crazy. They did those special invites. Don't get me started on that. So he hasn't performed well enough to qualify the last two years. Obviously, last year it got cut short, so he might have eventually had a sanctional, but it didn't get to go to any. Okay, and uh, do you have any predictions for the last chance qualifiers in the men for the Mid-Atlantic? Yeah, so the guys that are just outside those five are... Um, kind of buddy. I mean, he's... He's had three top 10 sanctional finishes the last two seasons. Uh, Jason Hopper is a young up-and-coming guy. I've got my eye uh-huh. on. Eye on Travis Williams is returning to individual competition. Definitely a threat to maybe take, you know, if not the fifth or fourth or fifth spot to get one of those. Josh Woodhall, who's had two second-place finishes at some of the smaller sanctionals in the past. You got former team sensation Angelo DeChico coming back to competition. So there's a bunch of guys in the mix here. Adam Klink, Ben Smith's old training partner, Luke Parker, who's currently training with Rich Froning, uh, Mark Quan Jones, who's qualified for the games before. Matt, there are a lot of a lot of guys wow. here that could make a how old yeah. how old's Mark Quan? He's been around for a while too. I bet he's like twenty eight to thirty. I don't know. Pulled up here, oh, but... really? Um well, we can I, just re- I remember cover I think he was at the Albany regional many years ago. He's 31. And I remember. Oh, okay. Well, he's younger than I thought, but still old. Um, and tell me about Travis Williams. This, you're talking about Travis Williams, the misfit guy? Yeah, he's been, uh, well, well, he's not anymore. 
bit of a problem there. Uh, he's now with jump, I think it's called jump, jumped ship programming or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he made the game straight years. Wait, wait, to wait a second. You're telling me he had a problem with Misfit, and but the new guys he's with are called Jump Ship. That's amazing. Uh, it might be his company. Okay, well that would be apropos. That would be awesome. Yeah, maybe, maybe he jumps ship. I don't know. Well, I hope he makes uh, he's a good. He's a good guy. Okay, and <laughs> do you want to say anything else about the men before we jump over to the women? No, I mean, look, the the. America are good. It's very it, all of the semifinals for the men in North America are deep fields, and there's definitely some guys that I don't know how good they are that are in these fields. You know, there's this guy Zach Watts. He was sixth in Brazil. There's a guy Hal Fisher. He was seventh at the French Throwdown. Normal Woodring seventh at Strain. Top ten finishes at some at sanctional events in the past two years, so they can perform. Um, so I think there's gonna you know it's gonna require guys to have. You can't. You're gonna have to have a really good weekend to make it. Where are the other Panchik brothers? Oh, let me see here. Saxon is competing, competing at, at Granite Games in week two. And Spencer Panchik, man, he got the, the short end of the stick here. He's in the West Coast Classic in the last weekend. And that, that, um, that men's field is insane. Can you give me one minute, please, or just like 10 seconds? Uh, Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Is, is that a phone call? Would you get a pizza delivered? What, uh, Sure, I can talk for 10 seconds. Brian's just gotten up from his chair. He's taking his headset off. He can't hear what's going on. Yeah, fast, fast, fast. What was that? I have something. I just turned it off. Oh. What are you cooking? It's not good. (laughs) I didn't cook how I usually cook tonight because we're doing this. this. A little frozen pizza. Okay. I was um, out of, yeah, yeah, I was out of town this weekend and it's bad. So tell me about um about the women of, of the Mid Atlantic. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh yeah. Yeah, Mid Atlantic Atlantic. Yeah, I mean Tia's she's done five sanctionals. She's won them all, the best sanctionals. She's won the games four times in a row. So that's that. Behind her will be in some kind of some order, Haley Adams. Wells, I have no, no reservations. Barring an injury, they'll all make the games. Listen, the cool thing is, in the um, last couple of years, they both com- they all competed at Waterpalooza last year. Amanda was fourth, Haley was fifth, Brooke was sixth. They all competed at Rogue that year. Amanda was seventh, Haley, Haley was, was eighth, eight. Brooke was tenth. They all competed at Stage One of the games last year, and they finished within four spots of each other. So these three girls are totally different athletes with different skill sets and strengths. Thanks. But somehow, in three of the most prestigious competitions last year, they were finishing back-to-back-to-back on, on the leaderboard. So this is a great opportunity to see which one of them is maybe in, the, in a good position. for. And ultimately, all of them are trying to chase down Carrie Pierce and take the title of the fittest woman in the, in the United States. And why didn't Carrie Pierce do better in the um, quarterfinals? That's her choice? Uh... I don't no, know. I haven't looked too close. See if there was, you know, one that was a struggle for her. A lot of people struggled on the front squat. Um, yeah, so she uh, she was first, fifth, and eighth in the CrossFit style uh, workouts, and then she had a 
132nd in the rowing wall ball, which is obviously just a bad combination for her relative to other things, things and then 308th in the front squat. So that's her big okay. time. She's and there's no, there's no question about her dedication. I mean, she's, she's in it to win. I mean, she, you know, she's, for now, yeah. Like, I think that she's at the point of her career where she's making a decision year by year. But if doing it one more year, she's all in. She's moved out to Vegas with her coach. She's training with Bethany and Danielle. They've got a bunch of guys out there, Tolomor Aquino, Nicholas Bedarte from Argentina. They got a, they got a good crew there. Uh, they got to, you know, I, I think, think that all three of those women will, will do well, um, at the semifinals, but it's again, the West coast classic is going to be a tough one. So when you, you said the men, you said of your five picks, you think one of them, the odds are one of them will shit the bed or something will happen or derail them or someone will come up. You didn't know. How do you feel about the women? Do you have that same with the women or are you a little more confident with the women? So those four, I said, I feel very, very confident we'll make it. And then, okay. One that I think is up for grabs. However, after I saw the programming, I felt pretty good about Fee Sagafi's chances to get the fifth spot. And who's that? She trains with um, Travis uh, Scott Panchik, and she has for. Well, I'm not actually sure how long she's been there, but she's. Uh, she competed at the games in 2019. She took 25th there. Uh, she was second at the Italian, Italian throwdown. She was 13th at Rogue oh, two is, years ago. Is she Italian? Is she Italian? Uh, I mean, she's American, she's but her she's citizenship something. is American, but she's certainly got some. Yeah. Just tell me her name again. Her actual name is Firoza Sagafi. Firoza Sagafi. She sounds like she's married to like a mob boss. Racist. Racist. <laughs> I don't think she's uh, married. I think. Maybe she is. She's got a boyfriend, I think. Uh, sorry, a daughter. A daughter. Daughter of a mob boss. Oh, okay. So, but, so, the, so but, you're, but you're feeling more confident with the women's class? Well, the, the top four, yes. But I, I like because there's a lot of um, – I think there's just no, some favorable pros. She's an artist. Sorry, a filmmaker artist. She, oh, yeah. That's, 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 that's it. Every time, every, every time you say her name, I think she's something else. Okay, go on. Sorry. But there's some women that will be giving her a run for her money for sure. And you know some of these women. Uh, Jessica Griffith is competing at this. At the Mid-Atlantic and Rebecca Voigt is competing. Um, Rebecca Rebecca's already wow. qualified as a master's athlete, but she's, you know, she qualified 104th in the quarterfinals. I have her ranked in the top 10 for the semifinals because she's a gamer. And this is the, the classic example of, uh, well, you know, we'll see how it plays out this way, way but live competition setting she has so much experience she knows how to manage and navigate that weekend the time between events the pressure the stress whatever all the other factors there's another girl uh one of the teenage sensations in the u.s there's four teenagers with three u.s one girl that are 17 years old that are have qualified for semifinals that all have an actual chance to qualify for the games in the elite division this year which has never been done before the Mid-Atlantic is one of them. It's Olivia Sulek. I also have her ranked in the top 10. I think she has a chance to get last chance quality. I, I would be surprised if she could get into the fifth spot. I mean, I watched Haley Adams compete at the, um, I guess it was the Atlantic Regional in 2018. And she did very, very well. Then she finished 11th. It's just tough. It's just, it's just tough. So, uh, And then there's a woman, um, Christine Colenbrander, who usually competes on a team who's competing there, but look, the women's field just 
in in the, especially in North America, it's not as deep as the men's field, and so the top women are gonna are gonna shine and excel, and there's gonna be big gaps. Like Tia will probably of the top American women, those three girls will probably be within thirty points, fifty point gap to another group of four or five women, and another big gap. Like it's gonna be spread out on the women's side because the depth just isn't there. There's levels to this shit. Abeka Voigt, let's say she does qualify for the last chance qualifier. What is mm-hmm. she going to do? Is she going to actually try the last chance qualifier or is she going to rest up and lick her wounds from the semifinals so that she can um, be her best for the Masters? Uh, I think she'll probably, she'll probably do it. I think that's just kind of how she is. Um, I don't think she, you know, I, th- I think she's been pretty outspoken about the fact that, you know, she trained not doing like crazy volume of workout and whatever she's got it dialed in i mean she's been 10 times to the game as an individual she's podium him as a master's athlete as well she's you know she knows what she's doing she knows how to manage everything when it comes i think she could probably do that not and not have it you know crush her um but you know we'll see i also think there's a chance she could qualify you know straight out of the mid-atlantic um, isn't it also interesting that you have someone as young as Haley Adams and that, you know, her, her room to grow just thinking logically is greater than all the other women. And so she, because of her age. And so she may have just made leaps and bounds from last year. Right. I mean, the difference between a 19 year old man and a 20 year old man can be huge. De- yeah, definitely. And 19 to 20 to 21 to 22. So she might, she might show up on the scene and just be on a whole nother level. Right. It's definitely possible. I mean, she's, it's not just another year of training with rich. It's another year of being in that environment. It's another year of working with Chris Hinshaw. So she's, you know, she's already sixth and fourth in the last few years at the games. She's 21 years old. And those, the, here's the interesting thing. Those 17 year old, they're all stronger than Haley. So Haley also wow. still has room to improve in the thing that she's worst at, which is her strength. If you look at any of her her competition performances, anytime a strength event shows up, it's a clear outlier by a relative performances in anything else. And last year at Rogue, in one of the most difficult workouts, she beat everyone in the field, including Tia and Kara and Katrin and all of them. So she can win workouts against the best. In depth, she took third place. She was behind... Laura Horvath and Gabriella Magala, but those three women were right, were, were clearly the best three women. There. She took fifth at Wadapalooza. She was eighth in Rogue. She's done five sanctionals. She's one of the youngest athletes at every one of them, and her worst finish was eighth at Rogue, which is obviously a very strong field. So her confidence is skyrocketing. So she has a win on Tia. I can't win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah fancy fantasy posted that's something that's earlier. And I said, maybe in one event. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is really amazing that she did that. I'm trying to, I mean, that is, that's something else. And she probably hangs her hat on that. I know I would. There are certain, um, there are certain movements that all the people who train at Mayhem always excel at. GHD sit-ups, uh, handstand walking, and um, high volume toes to bar are three that come to mind. Uh, also maybe pegboards, but rarely tested. Um, and that, that workout had a ton of toes to bar in it, which she's really good at. Amazing. 
Um, so let's talk about the tor the Torian Pro that's in Oceana. Yeah. What do you got there for the men and women? Oh man, it's tough. So I've gotten word that James Newberry is actually healthy and training well and looking good. He had some uh, training for bobsled. He had some off-season injuries, but he he's a very resilient. He bounces back pretty quick. So I think if he's healthy, he'll take one of the top three spots. Uh, Protege Jay Crouch is probably the favorite out there. I, I think he can even beat James Newberry. He has beaten him before at the 2020 Australian CrossFit Championship. And then because of the programming, I have Royce Dunn in the top three. I do a little, when I see the programming, I, I look at like the top 10 or 15 guys and I put a little plus or minus based on e For him, I had out of seven events, I had one minus and four pluses, which was like the biggest disparity of any of the other guys in the top 10. So I bumped him up from, I had him in the fifth spot. I moved him up to the two spot. I might what, still. What, what, what about those events? What did you see? Power output. Power, Power output. output. So uh, one of the, the, the main um, piece of the event is the echo bike. He's a big dude. The next one is a, is a clean and jerk ladder. He's one of the strongest guys in the field. The next one has some skiing and box jump overs, but the crux of the workout is a max distance sled pull. Power. And then the last workout has a thrusters. Uh, the thruster weight is a little heavier than usual. That won't be an issue for him. And he's actually, for his size, pretty good at gymnastics. Usually in these competitions, it's not so much about how you do on day one. It's about how you do on days two and three. So I think he might be outside the top 10 even after day one. There's a reverse triathlon is the first of that. But he'll make his way back up. And if, if he can hit a couple home runs, mm -hmm. you know, events five, six, and seven, I think he can. I, I think he can make it. But there's a lot of good guys out there. Con Porter, I have him in fourth right now. Baden Brown, uh, he's, I got him in fifth. Brandon Swan, Zeke Grove. Um, all, all very good, good competitors. That will be one of those spots. Uh, reverse, uh, triathlon. Is that what it sounds like? You just do the, uh, it's, it's a concept. It's a concept to triathlon. So they have a, uh, or no, it's not. They have a 5k run, 7k bike, 2k row. So there's no swimming, but the row, row oh, is swimming and the row is the smallest, um, the shortest time domain. And it's at the end of the workout where usually the shortest time domain of a triathlon is a swim at the start of the event. How long is the row? 2K at the end of that. It's wow. a 48-minute time. It's very, very good at aerobic stuff. Just tested this out and finished in around 42 minutes. I've charted it out for myself. I think if I was able to do the 48 minutes, it would be, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, that's... Um... It, that is the pain cave right there. That last 2K row is going to be something else because intellectually they can all get their heads wrapped around that, no problem, but to throw it there at the end. Wow. And then, and then the very next is event the running, is... Is the running outside or inside? Is it on one of the machines or is it outside? I think it's on the machines. I'm not okay. certain of that, but I think so. Okay. The very next event that? features... features a, it's, it's, it's a sprint event. It's 21 ring muscles, 21 squat snatches, and your legs are going to be feeling pretty bad after that 2K at the end of that triathlon. Same day? Same day. <laughs> Ouch. So that's going to be a good one to watch. Yep. Uh, and, okay, so I think we have the first... You too. What, Thursday what do you mean for me just to sit at home and watch? It'll be evening time when those events. 
are happening for you because it's it's 17 hours ahead of you, you in Australia. Australia. Oh, okay. So you said so when they're, they're yeah, four, I think 4 p.m. maybe is the uh, time that the first competition will start for you. 4 p.m. on Thursday. They'll be 9 a.m. on Friday. Well, I think that's good, Brian. And then we'll just circle back uh, on Monday or Tuesday. And about review. the girls in Australia. Oh, we didn't talk about them? <laughs> I just see we're at 57 minutes, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, I got to go. Yeah, I do care about the women in Australia, of course. The great Carl Webb is there, right? Carl Saunders. Carl Saunders should be the runaway winner. I like Madeline Sturt as kind of the solid second pick. And then I, I think it's very difficult to pick a third woman here. There's a young a young competitor out there named Ellie Turner. There's two two times games champions, Courtney Haley and Justin Beat. There's Alethea. Wait, wait, champion. there's two there's what? Games champion? Sorry, games qualifiers. Not champions. Okay, good. I was like, whoa, damn. Thank you. Um Okay, go on. Yeah, so there's well, Courtney Haley, Justin Beath, Jessica Coughlin, Alethea Boone, most people will know them. All games veterans, I think that's what I meant to say. But then there's this woman, Laura Clifton, who's a very strong woman, uh, individual who I thought was going to be able to get a spot for the same reasons as Royce Dunn. But workout number seven, the chest bar pull-ups and thrusters, which is a kryptonite for her. So I had her ranked third until I saw the workout, but I don't think I can put her in the third spot anymore because I, you know this from regionals. If you don't do well in the last workout and you're right on a bubble spot, you're not going to make it. You're toast. Mm-hmm. So this is a big weekend. Yeah, and I'll I will put out my um, rankings one through twenty for the individuals uh, every week for every one of the semifinals on my Instagram. And when will that go up? I'll put them out like one or two days before the competition. Okay, cool. And your Instagram is Brian B R I A N CrossFit. No, sorry, <laughs> Brian Friend CrossFit. <laughs> your Instagram is at B R I A N F R I E N D CrossFit Brian Friend CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Probably put the top five teams that I think will make it. Also, there's no last chance qualifier for the teams, and it's difficult to you know who's on the teams. Ne- that's why you're never going to get to two thousand followers because because you, you no, do stuff like no. that because you're courteous and put out team information. Tell me, totally <laughs> oh, wrong about the teams. Does anyone care about the teams besides the people who are on the teams? <sighs> there are. I mean, it is nice this year. It is nice this year that you have to all belong to the same affiliate. I mean that that is awesome. I much rather like that format. I think it's better. For I the think it's good for the sport. Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, it's the difficulty with the team stuff is that. No one knows how to follow it. Just like how you're struggling to see what's going on with the events, there's limited information. For the- now they have the six athletes that are competing, up to six athletes, I should say, that are competing listed on their profile page. But if you go to the game site and search pro and click on teams, you can't see any athletes. You just see the teams. If you click on each team individually and then wait for it to load, which it takes a second, and then scroll down to the bottom, you can see that four or five or six athletes that they've listed, but you don't know which of those four or five or six athletes. If there's only four, you know who's competing. But if there's six, you don't actually know who they're showing up with the competition for. There's a team from Rob Forte's gym. He's listed on the roster. I don't think he's competing, but there's no way of confirming. 
fact that he said he's not competing. But I think the problem, like, the problem is that CrossFit doesn't, doesn't know either. Because up until the day of registration to say these are the four competing and these are the two alternates. But for an, from an analyst perspective, that it makes it pretty impossible. Tays on that team, I like the team a lot more than if well, either of these other guys that I don't know are on the team, right? So it's difficult, and that's why there's been little team. But the problem there is that you, you're not going to generate that much interest because you're not talking about it because there's nothing to talk about because you don't know who's competing. So, so it puts a little bit of a damper on the hype train, tra- tra- hype train, the build up to the event. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I work for the morning talk. We talk about what we're going to write about all the time, and we're like, well, we teams. I mean, we can, but it's limited because we don't have all the information. But CrossFit doesn't have all the information either. I, I to, to end on this note, um, Australia is notorious for being very supportive of one another. The athletes, they got their Aussie, Aussie, Aussie chant, and they don't care who wins because as long as it's an Australian. And I've actually bought that for a long time. But I think it would be very, very sweet for Cara Sanders, Saunders um, to beat Tia. I'm not saying that I wanted I want that to happen. I'm saying that I think Cara like I think she wants to win the games and I think she wants to beat Tia. I bet you she's tired about hearing that Tia's unbeatable. Yeah, and Cara's, you know, I think she's in a super good place in her life right now, but she's had a bit of an unfortunate career relative to what it could have been. She was the fittest woman on earth in 2014 and a little stinger in her neck prevented her from claiming the title on the last day of competition. 2017, the closest race in the more women's side, she's on the wrong side of it by two points. So she's a potentially two-time fittest woman on earth that has no fittest woman on earth titles. And rival happens to also be from her country that is a very proud country where she's, you know, no matter how good she has been, she's just yeah, even if it's, you know, partial shadow or something like that. Do they have a beef? Are they friends? Do they train together? Uh, I don't really train together. Uh, if they competed on the Invitational together or not, I, uh, it's been so many years and competition's been around. But um, I think there were some times that there was some animosity between them, or at least that was projected that way by some of the media coverage. Really, I don't. I don't actually know. I have never really. I've actually had very little interaction with either of them personally. There's any friction there. All right, Brian. Well, thank you. You're welcome.